Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talk. It's like at 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland, one of two male McFarlands that is dragging their tuckuses around the greater Toronto area. Dad and mom join me, but mainly dad. <laughs> dad, how you feeling, man? You know what, Matthew? You did a lot of the shoveling. And I used a bucket on a machine. To a lot shovel. of the grumbling uh, or the engine rumbling on the skid steer. Holy jeez. You know what, Matt? You're right. It, it's really aggravating to listen it to is. the sound all day. It is. Uh, Mom, pleasure to have you here, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies it, and gentlemen, we're talking about it. We did a job uh, in my 32-odd years or whatever it is, and in my dad's 47 years. Uh, we have never encountered ground this difficult, this this hard. Well, tell wait you, a minute. Wait a minute. We have. When? In your patio. <laughs> in my patio? Yeah, in the patio. On the patio. Yes. Yeah. This, Concrete. This was just absolutely... We'll talk a little bit more on the other side. But this week, we're going to break from our color series, and many people are direct messaging me, letting me know that they're enjoying our color series. We're going to take a pause for this week, and then when we come back, I think the plan is to hit blue? No. No? We're going to do a show on Matt, on annuals. On Matt. You're going to, you're going to do a manuals. show on Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. That's where you plant them yourself. Manuals. Right? Yeah. But this week, you heard me make mention, we're going to do containers, pots, and hanging baskets, mainly because many of us are out there putting these things out there. Now, it's looking like we're in safe zone, but even earlier, earlier this past week, we had temperatures dipping down into the frightening zones. All that and much more, getting those plants hanging like boogers from the giraffe's nose. She's Lynn, he's Matt, I'm Jack. That's not right. I'm Matt, he's Jack, and this is the growing <laughs> season. We're tired on News Talk, it's like at 9.60 a.m. Hey, we're back. And I'm here in... Uh, body but not in mind or vice versa this is the growing season on news talk saga 9 60 a.m follow along with us using the visual accompaniment to the show growingseasoncanada.com is the website to go to click on show bits and that is the aforementioned visual accompaniment to the show directly after this show airs this very show gets podcasted and dropped into show bits so that you can hear a replay you would just click play on the podcast and then you can follow along in chronological order to see exactly what the heck we're talking about. Now, you heard us talk on the tee up here about the exhaustion and about encountering soil that we have never seen. Ladies and gents, oftentimes when we have a large machine on site, or in this case, it wasn't that large. It was a it was an 11 foot. It was a Bobcat S510, which is on the medium size of skid steer, but not on massive, massive end. Oftentimes what happens is you'll see expert skid steerers or expert machine operators. What they'll do <laughs> yeah. is they take the bucket on the skid steer and they literally tilt it right up. And that causes the front wheels of the skid steer to come off the ground. And then what happens is you push the wheels forward and the bucket digs into the ground. And then you sort of reverse the angle and that scoops up your first bucket. Well, my dad was on a job site with us. And many thanks to my dad for this because my dad is, a, is an expert skid steerer. <laughs> okay, he's been doing this for a whole lot of years. And when I have jobs that are of the super tight nature in that this was a pretty confined little area, I generally bring my dad on. So he does this little bucket angle trick. And normally what happens is you would pop out this little wedge of grass or a little wedge of earth. Not on this job. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so the bucket's like skidding across the top. So tick, 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 tick. And we're like, uh-oh. It's going to be a long day. I, Dad, I've never seen ground this hard in my life. No, and the grass that was existing on site, it actually rolled up like a carpet. It's brutal. It was not even connected to the uh, the ground itself almost. It was connected, it would have to be, but it was just so hard, Matthew. You know that the ground is hard when the shovels are making insane creaking noises. Like yeah. we put those ash handles through everything that they could handle yesterday. And you and you were so tired from it all. Oh, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. Plus, it was super hot and humid, too. Yeah, it was not. This has not been a good week. No. Okay. But uh, that said, the growing season continues. And I have nobody to blame but myself because I signed up for this. And I love the construction end of stuff. I just don't like it when you need to. <laughs> when you see the machine going, no, boys, this isn't happening. Got to uh -oh. take a jackhammer to it's, get through oh the soil. Oh, my goodness. 
almost yeah. needed gelignite like we were yeah we were yeah. trained in high in college man yeah so there's something called gelignite it's like a horticultural dynamite and what you can do is you take it you you, you drill holes in the ground you drop the stuff down and into it and it just gives like a low grade charge you, you hear this like whoop sound and it just breaks the ground up enough that you're able to get your machinery into it. Now, we don't use this on residential no. sites because no. you're blowing holes in the side of the client's foundation walls. <laughs> or, knocking, or knocking all their wine, wine supplies oh, in the basement down. That's fantastic. This week, though, we thought it would be a wonderful thing to break from our color series for a bit and chat about containers, pots, hanging baskets, mostly because this is now the time of the year where you're seeing clients use these sort of things in their landscapes okay the issue becomes is there's a certain set of facts there's a certain set of things that you got to know when it comes to hanging baskets that many people don't know and this would extend the life if they knew this it would extend the life of the plants in the hanging baskets but prior to that all right a little bit of some information on watering guys yes we're going to do some watering info Matt, first. you know what with the it hasn't been a lot of rain lately and I think you should give a few pointers on exactly on how to water. Well, yeah. And one of the things that we saw on this job is in some cases we were down 12 to 18 inches. There was no, there was no water. No moisture at all. Like I couldn't believe it. I had yet, a call. Yet we had a fair bit of moisture in April. But you know where the, mo- you know where the moisture issue is? What? Snow. We didn't have a lot of snow. We didn't have a lot of snow. And March was really dry too. Yeah, so, right? March was very dry. And I had a client that had a fence, a brand new fence put in, six by six posts, and they had machinery on site. They had an auger to come in to, to dig the fence posts. And I guess the presence of the machine, all of their grass, their exposed ground in the backyard, guys, it looked like the Gobi Desert. It was cracked. Like we're talking horrendous. Awful. Don't you think that's a little early this year for for lawns and to be suffering in that way, Matt? Well, uh, yes. And again, I attribute some of this to the fact that there wasn't much snow cover, no. as well as speaking of early, the plants are all wonky. I was telling you this dad uh, on the job site that I have salvia that have bloom heads on them. Oh wow! Like what? Right? What a mild my mark. ruby slippers. My ruby slippers. Not bloom heads yet because that doesn't happen right now, but. It is out, 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 out. Like it is fully out. Wow. But anything that's blooming, Matthew, is going to bloom for a shorter period of time because of moisture issues. Right, right. It okay. just makes sense. Actually, great segue. Okay. A couple little watering tips here that will help keep you out of trouble or help to keep your plants in their best fashion possible. First of all, a 12 to 14 inch hanging basket waits for this, ladies and gentlemen, requires one gallon of water per day. Guys, how many liters per gallon? Four. Actually, I just checked. It's it's three point seven eight. Yes, but if we're rounding, if we're rounding like the Canadian uh, government does now that we don't have pennies, right? Yes, that, <laughs> no, round up. That's weird. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah, but so basically, baskets are about root space and holding water. They need to be watered more than ground plants. Why? Well, because the roots are up above the ground, okay, and they're why? being baked by the sun. And again, why? That's not really answering. That's just- well, they're being confined. They can't. Yeah, go out and search for more water. Right, They're but you're also not dealing with like dish. it's the same as a clematis, right? You want to have your roots cool. It's part one of that is to have your roots underground. Yeah, roots would be that's that's why clematis growing in hanging baskets. That's, that isn't going to happen. No, no. no. Two words, weird. Matthew. What? Root bound. Yeah, that's I would imagine the, too. That's one of the main reasons. Yeah, and when we actually have a client, Denise, uh, who's talking about wanting to grow espaliers in uh, in pots in large container pots. Yep. And that's fine, and and you you can you can totally do that. But the problem is the pot has to be so big that the roots are not becoming root bound, as well as you're dealing with it with insulation issues. In fact, wait, I wait, have, wait, 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 wait. so we we end up having the fishbowl effect. Uh, effect. What's going on there? Well, the, the 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 plants begin like the roots begin to basically work their way around the circumference or whatever the outer edges of this container, and they basically begin to choke themselves out. Yes, and the yeah. idea is they only grow to the size of the container, so they, they don't grow like a, in a typical, let's say, a Kim Lilac or Syringa. Oh, there's a Latin alert. Yeah, thanks, Dad. And by the way, great segue. I have a client in the Oakville area. Her living situation has changed, and when she was young, growing up in Britain, she her, her mother had commons, common lilacs, okay? So just the vulgaris variety. And she said, listen, is there any way that I can get 
She's living in an apartment. Is there any way that I can get some manner of lilac to grow in a potted situation on her balcony? So I went and did a bunch of research and they said, okay, so first of all, you obviously want something dwarf. So like a, so like a dwarf Korean lilac or something like that. So it, so it comes down to A, sunlight, because these things need six hours minimum. And they said, the big problem is how do you overwinter these suckers? Because the pot's got to be big enough that the soil within the pot is actually providing some manner of insulation. They said that you, that you could even put straw or hay or mulch or some manner of something. Get a little blanky out there for it. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to wrap it, right? And, the, and then, too, you also don't want to keep it too warm because that root system needs it's a... It's going to be awake. Yeah, it needs a, it needs a yeah. shutdown time. All right, onward and upload. Newly planted shrubs from containers should be watered once daily for the first two weeks and at least two to three times per week, depending on drought. So this is a big one for your shrubs that are coming in in containers. Most shrubs now are, are now container grown. Listen to that again. Watered once daily for the first two weeks and at least two to three times per week, depending on the drought. Now, we actually even go one step further with this on, on new plantings. We say morning and evening for the first seven days minimum, depending on if it's super warm out. And then the next week, we would say once a day, either morning or evening, and then going forward, minimum two to three times per week. Yeah, I'm watering our new bees once a day. And also, Matthew, competition, right? what's existing on the site, and so forth. All right, hedging plants such as cedars. This is a big one because cedars love to drink. wet. Yeah. Require one hour of watering once a week because they have a dense root system and the watering of the surface does nothing for the hedge. Best to be done with soaker hoses. Cedars want to be trickled. Trickle, 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 trickle. Just so do so. I. Yes, yes. I love it when you trickle me there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, let's, let's, let's keep going here. But new sod, soak thoroughly for five centimeters twice daily for 20 minutes or six inches of water over the first two months. The number of times that we have clients that say to us, hey, my brand new sod that you've put down is yellowing at the edge and such because you are not watering enough. That sod at first should be a, wait for it, swamp. Yes. If you yeah. step on that thing. Should be spongy. You should be, you should sink. So why do we want so much water, Matt, besides the obvious of making it grow? Why do we want so much water in the, in the initials, let's say two months? I don't know why. Why? Because the deeper the root system, the better a chance you're going to have less death of your lawn over the winter. Hmm. Okay. So you want a nice deep root system. Okay. And when you pull it back, if you want to check to make sure you're doing doing everything right, you'll see these little white fibrous hairs. Yeah. And that means that it's starting so to grow back yeah, again. Exactly. Exactly. Don't do that with your shrubs, by the way. No, don't. Don't be, pull, don't, be, don't be pulling the shrub out of the ground looking for fibrous hairs. That's not good. No. All right. Okay. So, guys, question for you then. Hanging baskets, pots, all this type of stuff. Where did this? Where did the hanging basket stuff come from? Why? What, what, what's going on here? I got a feeling that this is something Mediterranean. Well, actually, uh, once we became agricultural and we started to settle down and not roam around and forage, and we started to settle into big cities, the big cities in our history were not North American, but they were in Iraq, Iran, and um, Saudi Arabia. Okay. And so that's a very harsh, dry climate. So once we settled down, a middle class arose, and they became rich enough to actually have gardens for pleasure, not just for food. Okay, because I was going to ask you, when did the division between agriculturalists and horticulturalists evolve? Do you know what I'm saying? So, so you're so you're basically saying this is this is gardening for pleasure. Yeah, well, because agriculture, like an orchard. You would consider that to be agricultural. Yeah, you You're growing for food. This yeah. is growing for consumption. Well, yeah. obviously, nobody really grows anything in hanging baskets for food much, right? Wouldn't no, you agree with that? But no, that's, but that's what no. I'm saying. Like this is that's when the delineation happened. Yeah, around three thousand years ago in Babylon. Really? Yeah, Mesopotamia, that area. Oh. Uh, the rich were able to afford to have gardeners, and they would have. And hold on a second. Speaking of that, this somewhat ties in. Okay, you guys got. Speaking of espaliers, for our audience that doesn't know, this is essentially like wall wall fruiting trees. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Sure. Okay. And we've done shows on this before. You got not only did you guys get espaliers at your place, you got Honeycrisp. I got espaliers. I know. We didn't know that. Sorry, Matt. One is Honeycrisp. The other is Gala. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. I'll take both of those. That's yeah, me awesome. too. Yeah. I didn't know. We When we read How the long tags. do they produce fruit? I mean, what do you mean? How long do they produce fruit? How long till they produce fruit? Like, well, is they it actually like a five if you want to know. Well, wait? these are already about five years old. 
So you can tell by the number of branches and so okay. forth they have. Has They're, it flowered? Flowered, and I have about, I'm trying to think here, about 30 pieces of fruit on yeah, my honey they got little apples on them. It's Get so back cute. out of here already? Yeah, already. already. Yeah. And I feel bad about taking them off, but I'm contemplating Wait a minute, why do they have fruit on them now? They must have flowered They must have in already previously flowered. And... Because yeah. that's a fall thing. It's late late summer, shouldn't it be? No, not, no they not flower the in the spring. No, no, no. Fruit. No, once the fruit is formed. Yeah. Then the sorry, once the flower has formed and then the fruit. Okay, afterwards. so yeah, but what I'm saying legal. is but in a normal year, it's this early. thing would flower in the spring. Yeah, maybe. And then it would begin to put the fruit on it would set the fruiting buds. Mm-hmm. And then you would have that like August, September, you would begin yeah. getting apples off this thing. Yeah. You're telling me that it has it has apples on it now. Yeah, they're about the size of a they're little, a small little marble. Yeah. so it's like a crab apple looking. Yeah, it looks yes. like a crab apple. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Matt. They're, yeah, they're it's really crazy. pretty. Yeah, they're really actually, I'm, I I I don't want to take them off. It's really better for no. the, the tree itself just to little. let them be. Yeah. And Aww, yeah, because everything is about the roots, right, Matt? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Sorry, I just got segue because I was just thinking about Mesopotamia and then I was thinking about your spouse. So the hanging gardens of Babylon weren't actually hanging. They were terraces. Okay. And they were built into the walls. And it was because the king of Babylon's wife was originally from an area that was mountainous and green. And she missed her homeland. So he had these terraces built and gardens put in. Huh. But Matt, honestly speaking, if you have to look at it today, I would have to say the connection with 1907 is the reason why there's so many hanging baskets. and. What happened in 1907? Mom? Um, this American guy, he was originally from Belgium. His name was Leo Bakeland. He invented Bakelite, which was the beginnings of plastic. And this was made from fossil fuels. So he, he is the father of plastics. He now, called it Bakelite? Yeah, he Bakelite. called it Bakelite. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It is last well, name Well, geez, aren't you presumptuous, you freaking narcissist? Uh, anyhow, once... Plastics were developed. That just made it so much easier for all kinds of different containers to grow plants in. Wow. Just think, what would nurseries be today without no, the, so all the would, plastic pots for their containers? Oh, think about everything. 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 Everything is plastic. Okay, so Matt, what's your opinion on it? So what is the best pot to use or container for, say, a hanging basket or even for something in your garden that you were going to do, let's say, a, a planter or a potting effect or a container garden in your garden, let's say in the Toronto area. Well, the what plastic, the is, not, plastic is not the thing. Because what happens with the plastic, first of all, is it reflects the heat. Now, if you've got black, black mm. plastic, it just microwaves the freaking root system. Sure. It's awful. So those black plastic pots, you're actually supposed to, if you purchase a hanging basket in those things, you're actually supposed to do away with that plastic pot and transplant it into something else so the peat moss or the sphagnum moss is a big one also the fiber pots right i'm not i'm not sure what those fiber pots are made out of peat peat but so that's just compressed peat it's compressed peat so again you shouldn't be using peat moss really either okay so the the plastics are all polyethylene it's not good no it's not and i don't think there's any off gassing i don't think that's a problem well no but if you to me the terracotta always felt like the best option yeah because it does heat the root system slightly, but not nearly as much. It's also somewhat porous, right? So it will allow water transfer, breathing, osmosis. Even and, a bit of breathing. And it breathes. Mom? Terracotta unglazed is the best. Because if it's glazed, the glaze traps the moisture And the in. plant drowns. Yeah. Sure. And the idea is, Matt, the larger the container, the healthier the plant's going to be. Where did the terracotta thing come from? This is just clay, isn't it's it? It's clay, yeah. Oh, Probably from just Babylon. Fire. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but before they had... The hanging baskets. So let's say people were using these plastic ones a lot these days. The idea was, Matt, going back, they had like special containers made that were made with metal and then they would put the terracotta pots in and they would have their hanging baskets or they could have been made out of wood or, or reed or anything. Metal to yeah. me is good too, but again, you're talking about heat conduction. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right? So wood, it would be tough to hang wood, but I mean, if you had unlimited money, cedar would be great because yeah. cedar doesn't conduct... Or it's, it, it doesn't transfor heat nearly as much as wood would. Oh, yeah. It's wood, wood, wood. <laughs> wood, wood, wood. <laughs> right? yeah. And it's also cedar, right? So yeah. it also has a natural waterproofing to it. Yeah. Sure. And the idea is, Matthew, it, what we would find is that if we were doing it ourselves, if we were doing hanging baskets, instead of just buying them ready to go, what we would normally do is we would use equal parts of peat moss and uh, vermiculite and perlite, okay? And that way, for, everything's about water penetration and, and water absorption. But the problem was, 
what happens is, basically speaking, after you would say if you bought a hanging basket or even if you made them, we would put approximately 12 plants yeah. on the small side yeah. to start. And we would start at the center, the, the, the very center portion. Yeah. What do they call that? The, the uh, thriller or the something? Thriller, spiller, thriller and filler. filler yeah. or something. Right, so the thriller would be in the middle. Yeah, and then the fillers around it, and then the spillers over Man, the sides. Man, if I wasn't afraid of being sued, I would just have Michael Jackson's Thriller happening in the background oh, right yeah. now. But yeah. Man, I would, yeah. his yeah. estate would be like, nope, you're, <laughs> you're sued, not doing buddy. that. <laughs> but Matt, on the larger side, sometimes we would put approximately five plants in. But here's a big one. After about four to six weeks, then what happens? The plant, you have to take care of the plant. The plant is not thriving. It is only surviving. You have to supply the water and the fertilizer because it's Wait, What kind of fertilizer? Any idea? 1-2-1. Yes, or something Just balanced. Super, super light dose. Yes. And like, yeah, you have water and this is just one tick above water. But one of the things to make sure that, that people know, for our audience that wants to tackle this, that wants to tackle this on their own, I remember... I, I remember making hanging baskets and container plants, like container arrangements at a nursery. And the thing that shocked me was this. When you put these plants in originally, that pot should be full. Yeah. It should be full when the plants are not mature. Like I couldn't believe the amount that was being stuffed in there. When the plants weren't mature. You can so that's why the two reasons, though. Why were we doing well, that? Well, because what happens with that is that the root systems begin to help each other. They begin to, it becomes like a symbiotic relationship, right? The water, the root systems begin to help each other. Same but, as those ideas, as those 23,000 yeah, uh, uh, trembling aspen, in that, populist trembling. In that provincial park. In Utah, right? Yeah, yeah. it was a Utah? It was a state park in Utah. So, but I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, there's no way, we, we can't fit all this in here. And then when it begins to grow, that's how you get that mounding effect where everything's folding over into each other because it's it's so packed at a, it's, it's, the, it's the exact reverse of your planting bed. In a planting bed, we would leave some space so that the shrubs can grow. One in other reason, case, Matthew, pack the crap that you're not yeah. covering. One other reason. What? Death. So if you were putting these things together. Right. And something dies and, and something you're not going to have a hole. You've got something to take over. Okay. That is was there, the, to me, is there, there's one purpose when it comes to Dracaena. And it's the middle of a freaking container grown or, or like, a, like a container arrangement or a hanging basket. That's your thriller. That's the, that's the one, man. Or it ain't much really, of a thriller. I'm sorry. How many, where else do you see Dracaena used more than in this situation? In your home. It's constantly. In yeah, and yeah, and in this case, they're going to use the indoor use the Dracaena as a it's, a. it's an annual. It's sure, they're using yeah, Dracaena, yeah. Dracaena marginata in your home, and yeah. uh, it's similar, to, same family. And some would say that you know Dracaena marginata is only marginally interested. Yes, oh, okay. <laughs> that is really very very weak. It's fantastic. So Matthew, when you're doing hanging baskets, yeah. for instance, number one thing is water. Yeah. Okay, that's number one. And when you're watering, they should basically pee themselves. Yes. And you've been so you said it so I succinctly it that you said that one gallon of water per day when you first get them home and so yeah. forth. But Matt, fertilizing is important too. That's number two. And so the idea With is a is, one two one. Yeah, okay, one, one two one. two one. <laughs> just need to take the edge off. Yeah. Just a little one little two light one. Just a tad. Just a tad, right? <laughs> That's awesome. But Matt, when you honestly speaking, for us, we would put in fertilizer balls. And only <laughs> <laughs> You and know, I have is, two children, and uh, let me tell you, I... <laughs> <laughs> but oh Matt, the fer- get this, the nitrogen is only is only the fertilizer balls. The rest is just strictly fertilizer. Now, by the way... So uh, well, that would be PK. Right, so it, <laughs> as in PK Subban, the hockey player? No. Oh, uh, and the also nitrogen, too... Uh, sorry, phosphorus and potash. Right, now, if you are a male putting the, the uh, fertilizer in, it could be called nitrogen. Yes? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> No. Come on, man. No, that was pretty weak. <laughs> We've been doing weak. this too long. My dad doesn't even react anymore. He's like, whatever, you stupid. So, Matthew, another thing that's really important is the location in which you put these things. Number one, is that are you choosing a shade plant in, for a shade location? Are you sh- choosing a sun plant for a sun location? Yeah, agreed. And also, here's a big one. Can you get at these things when you need to water them? And if you're yeah, hearing if they're that, up too high, you can't reach them. You can't yeah. reach them. And if yeah. they're up under the eaves. Dad, mom is like four foot three. No, no. Okay. Three she foot needs seven. a step ladder to get up to the toilet. Five, one. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay. I do need a step ladder to get to the second level of the cupboards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's a funny story, and then we'll and then we'll go to break here. But uh, Dad's all legs. He's got a lot of legs, right? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> he's trying to get on and off the skid steer. <laughs> you have to step down onto this plate and then step up over the forks and then oh. down onto the forks. You get all tangled up. Yeah. You get all tangled up, right, Dad? Yeah, it doesn't help, Matt, with uh, my back issues when I can't yeah. feel my legs. So when you're getting legs. off and on a machine, that was that was why I didn't get off very often. No. Right, oh, that doesn't sound good either. <laughs> <laughs> At least twice, anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and and nothing ruins the job site. Nothing ruins the ambience of the job site like a freaking diesel machine oh. grumbling for the and whole the day. And the smell, too, eh? Oh, and you fire it up, and it's just... And the worst part, too, is, again, when you back up, and then, oh, it's just brutal. Okay, so, you know what, Mom? Whatever you're going to say, I know it's super important, but we're going to hit a break. On the other side, we're going to continue to chat about pot. Pot, oh, good. (laughs) And containers and hanging baskets and fertilizer balls. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. Uh, We are all the product of fertilizer balls, and this is the growing season on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. ACK, the growing season on News Talk. It's like at 9.60 a.m. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. And you know what? I want to make mention here. We should begin the show by saying Galanta, usually. Uh, something that we are taking major pride in, or we have taken major pride in, is the fact that we have an Irish background, and Galanta is elegance in, in the language Gaelic. And you'll notice on on the bottom of my email, it says Galanta, and then it says something else. I can't say that word. I'm going to, it's Go to Google Translate. Yeah. And it's just, it means elegance in horticulture. A number of my clients or our clients have said that whenever they see our projects, they look elegant. There's Hmm. something, it's not, they're, they're not heavy. They're airy. They're breathy. Uh, It's not, it isn't a whole lot of rock. We don't line the beds with rock. Everything is very elegant. So in that in that vein, Galanta. But, Mom, you wanted to make mention of wind and, and not the type that you get after Taco Bell? No, no. Okay. Uh, when you're planting or when you're positioning, putting your blood, hanging baskets in a location, make sure it's not too windy either because wind will desiccate the plants. So it will dry them out. We need an explanation on desiccation, Dad. Go. The water is being whipped out of the plants, especially the foliage and the petals itself. Wonderfully, whoa, eloquent in his brevity. Normally, he'd be, he'd be like, "Well, in 1972, I had." Do you want an old Matthew? One question that keeps popping up all the time, and the person will show me this plant, and it's got like three leaves, and it wilt like hell. Yeah, and they say, "Why is my plant wilting?" And especially in hanging baskets, that happens quite a bit. So, why is the plant wilting? And it's not. If it's not necessarily water or wind, what is it? Probably nitrogen. Okay, very good. Why? What is nitrogen? Too much nitrogen in the soil does what? Too much nitrogen in the soil is is, going to cause yellowing or wilting on the leaves. It just basically, it's like, it's superfeeding it over and over. It's poisoning it. No. No. Okay. That That was close, but not even very close. All right. No, Matt, what happens is that the nitrogen builds up in the soil and it prevents the roots from taking in water and nutrients. So don't over fertilize that's a big one okay so if there was a is there a blanket like a blanket thing to go off of here is it like a blanket rule yeah read the instructions all right but i'm saying how often should they be fertilizing well if you're using the granular stuff so we're which is what we recommend by the way by the way with especially with the nitrogen balls we really recommend that one (laughs) but uh no matt once every four to six weeks with the granular stuff But when you're using the water soluble fertilizer, yeah, Miracle Grow has like a two week. It's a two week. It's a two week session or something, isn't it? Or no, no, no. On my Miracle Grow instructions, they say that that you can water every week with this stuff. We actually, what we do if we're using any sort of water soluble stuff, we would actually take, we would put half the recommended amount yep. with the water, 
and therefore we're doing it with every time we would water. We always recommend when it comes to fertilizer, we always recommend half dose of whatever they're uh, of whatever they're, they are suggesting. Yeah, you don't want to over. Okay, yeah. remember, hanging baskets are a limit, limited bleh, limited space. So yeah. you don't want to have issues. You're just going to poison them. Sure. And yeah. once the roots get to a point where they're basically root bound, and that means all the roots are going back towards the center part of the plant itself, yeah. then there's no room for there to grow. And therefore, in normal circumstances, if you were in a nursery and it was a container or something, they would just change the pot size out and move up to the next size. They also probably slice the roots too. Sure. And they don't do that with hanging baskets. Most no. people don't. No. And the thing is, when you're bringing them but home... But when you go to pull it at the end of the season, when, when you go to pull that hanging basket apart... Those root systems are interlocked. Yeah. Like they're locked into each other. Yeah. And Matt, the thing with hanging baskets uh, in particular is that you're not getting all the beneficial insects helping you out. No. Yes, you are going to get some, okay, so hummingbirds and so forth. Let's, you know what, Matt, we'll hit fuchsia first. Okay. But with hummingbirds, for instance, on fuchsia, they, they come along and they'll do their job normally. What a pretty annual. Yeah. Sure. And the idea is, Matt, you don't. Way better than the friggin' Dracaena. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> Isn't it? Sure, like, man. Seriously. But the idea is, Matt, you don't want to... Again, it's all about size and space and everything. Okay, I, I don't want to get into yeah, that one either. Just, <laughs> we'll stay away. Man, there's some roads that we can turn down. Oh, I know. Yeah. But, but again, everything is to do with the actual environment in which it has to live, and it's very contained. So all these beneficial insects that are in the soil, in your planting beds, is not are not there in the container itself, okay? okay. Unless you introduce, say... If you have a large container, you introduce earthworms or something. But some of the beneficial stuff, yes, you're still going to get pollination and so forth. How would you introduce earthworms? You just grab some earthworms and just toss them in the container? Well, you know, know some people will put uh, cardboard down or whatever, and then they'll, they'll, you know, collect them because they think they're out in the wild, in the bush, eating leaves and munching on other things. So they'll do that. Or some people I've heard uh, put plywood down and that kind of idea. And then there's all sorts of earthworms under there, and they'll introduce them into the environment. But, but can again, you just go to the? Can you just go to like Canadian Tire? Go to the bait shop and just grab a, a big container of earthworms and just toss them in the soil. Absolutely. But again, oh, do you need that okay. many? Would you need that many? I don't know how I many mean, you need. Like if it's if, if it's a large container. Well, they're making like seven to nine babies a week. So <laughs> yeah, how many geez, would it guys, take? Before, put a condom on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But, no, but you know what, Matt? The thing is that in that low, in that small of an environment. They would run out of space very quickly. Gotcha. So a person would pull out the roots to have a look to see if it's root bound, and they would find it was worm bound. What is more prolific, the the earthworm or the rabbit? Mm, I would say the earthworm. You yeah. think so? It's that really? Yeah. yeah. Seven yeah. to nine babies per week. Mm-hmm. They're always pregnant. Yeah. They're always pregnant. Mm-hmm. And and the way they, I don't want to get into their pregnancies because that's no, not no, no. Show. It's all about slime. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, about slime yeah, it's again. Gross. Yeah. But Matt, again, it. The containers, uh, contain, uh, hanging baskets, all this kind of thing are great for smaller properties. And But again, even for us, Matt, we would watch on the number of colors that would be, be, we would be using because you don't want it to become cluttered or busy. Yeah, it just it, it becomes looking like a, like a bowl of Skittles yeah. sure. or a box of crayons. Unless oh. that's the effect you want. Yeah, and we have some clients. Like, again, we, we've talked about this in the past, how we approach design. We filter everything through, a, through, a, through like a color scheme. Okay, so... And it's not hard and fast, but we try to limit the number of colors. If, if I can get five or six colors on my scheme, it makes things so much easier. I'm just finishing up a, a, a landscape design for the lovely and talented Michelle Shavin, uh, and she was she has a, 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 a like a bright blue shed in the middle of her backyard, and so obviously blue has got to be part of the scheme here. And then you basically jump off of everything that would work with when it comes to blue, but. We have some clients where they want 15 colors showing up on their site in little patches, right? Yeah. Or, or they want the back. But remember, this... they don't show up at the same no, time. No, it's all bloom phasing. Sure. For sure. But Matt, we, we, I, I want to talk on fuchsia for a second. Can oh, we do that? So good. So what's cool about the fuchsia? The spelling of the name. F-U-C-H-I-A. Fuchsia. Hybrida. Yes. But now, why isn't it? Okay. Because we've I've heard it pronounced fuchsia. Yeah. It is. I've heard it pronounced fuchsia. Shouldn't it be fuchsia or fuchsia? Because it's a ch. I think yeah. you're overthinking this, Matthew. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. But Matt, they have uh, everybody's seen them. They're kind oh, of they're unique so cool. bloom, and they'll have a dark green leaf. That kind of idea, and they'll have four sepals or four petals. Yep. External petals that actually protect all the the sexy bits of and the then flower. The purpley. Yeah. You let that one fly right by. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's like. Speaking of that, speaking of protection, I was listening to a uh, radio show 
a former goaltender, talked about he kept getting hit in the uh, center area with pucks so much he used to wear two, two jock straps. A smaller one followed by a larger one. Speaking of protecting the sexy bits. <laughs> well, it must like, hurt. Man, you just yeah. get, you said you get it twice in one game. You're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's brutal. So, Matt, there's some beautiful varieties out there like uh, Purple Rain, uh, White King's another nice one. Yeah. But the idea is, Matt, we have found that you must put them in the right location. So do not put them in a lot of wind. Make sure that they're in a protected area. If they can get at least partial shade, that kind I was of idea. Say, Fuchsia do not want blasting sun. No, no they don't. They, no, they, no, want, they no. want partial shade. Yeah. And if you can have it in a situation where a lot of these plants, they like, if it says partial shade, we generally recommend morning sun. Yeah. Because afternoon sun tends to be roastier. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to get partial shade, if it can, if it, if you've got, if you've got four to six hours, six hours ish of morning sun, that is way better than 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 the reverse, than the four to six hours of afternoon sun. Oof. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Matt. I have a good question for you here. So why have we basically discontinued using impatience in hanging baskets? Well, impatience get like a root rot. They get this where they they basically rot off right where the flower meets the root system. That's part of it. They're also impatience are are very succulent. I don't want to go anywhere near that yeah. one either. Especially Mom, with the root. So yeah. why have we basically discontinued using impatience in hanging baskets? Because when you overwater, don't you get that root rot? And also, um, well, they also blow themselves out. They too. blow themselves out. No, you guys are really out in left field, both of you. All right. Okay. okay. Two or two different things, Matthew. Water stress, heat stress. Right. And when that happens, what happens? Yeah, but you shouldn't, if you have impatience in your hanging basket, they should not be out in full sun anyway. I know. But people think that they can put them anywhere. They don't read the instructions. Yeah. The issue is that because sometimes there's there are annuals, specifically in the begonia variety, like you can get fibrous begonias and those will take, those will take shade. Also, if you get the copper leafed suckers... They'll take pretty much sun. Yeah. Now, not blasting, roasting sun, but they'll take some sun. Whereas their tuberous guys, did I say tuberous first? I said fibrous first, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the tuberous guys. Root rot's bad for them. Yeah. They want more shade. Sure. Right? But the idea, again, Matthew, is we have found in the past because of water stress, heat, water stress, heat stress, we have found that the leaves get kicked off, the blooms go. There's not nearly as many blooms. But you just mentioned a name. Begonia semper florens, Matt. What's semper florens mean? What's, what's, that, what's that mean? Ever? Always flowering? Always flowering. Really? Yeah. And okay, that, so how come Potentilla is not called that? Because, probably because they didn't call it that. Yeah. Because <laughs> fruticosa, no to me, doesn't make any sense. And right? Ferrari on it. And Ferrari. Well. Yeah, by the way, your Potentillas, your brand new Potentillas are are blooming. Yeah, they look good. Man, they're, they're great shrub. Yeah. But you know, Matt, Matt we we found, again, I keep beating this thing. But we have found that we had no luck with the impatience, so we flipped over to the begonias, mm-hmm. especially fibrous begonias. But Matt, just think about that. White, pink, red, greener bronze varieties in the leaves. And Matt, they take a lot of abuse. I just find that regardless, even if you're putting the impatience in the right location, whether it be hanging baskets or in the flower beds, there's a certain point, July, August, it doesn't matter what you've done to these things, they just begin to peter out. Yeah. The... The fibrous begonia don't do that nearly as much. And speaking of annuals, while we're talking about this, we recently did an annual, or sorry, we have an, an, an annual job coming up. And we got most of our stock from, from Kana Nurseries. Beautiful Man. stuff. Man, that was nice stock. Beautiful stock. Holy. And you know, Like the a, most pristine annuals I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But you know what, Matthew? Yeah. There is a good point then buy as good a quality plant material as you possibly can because they're going to have to go through hell. Once they get past that four to six weeks, they have to go through hell. Okay, look, here's the here's the issue. You can buy a TV at a big box store. They sell them, right? You, you, can, buy, you can buy a TV at a grocery store. Yep. Zares, our local grocery store, you, yep. you, like you walk by the front and there's, and there's TVs there, okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. You can buy your annuals. At a grocery store. You can buy your annuals at a big box store. The best place to be purchasing your horticultural items would be at a nursery. Because these have been cared for properly. They have been fertilized properly. 
they've been doted on. So I can take a four-inch fibrous begonia from a big box store and hold it up in the air. And then I can take a four-inch fibrous begonia grown at, grown at a nursery. Let's say Conan, okay? You hold those things side by side. I'll tell you something. I can pick out exactly which one was, was grown in a nursery. Yeah. Because it's just the level of care. And I'm not knocking big box stores. But what I'm saying is that if you want to have pristine quality when it comes to horticultural organisms, go to a nursery. Right? The only problem is, Matthew, the nurseries are becoming few and far between. They, they are. Absolutely. And the reason why they're becoming few and far between is because the big box stores are offering garden centers and, be, and because the grocery stores are offering garden centers. Because it's just, it's just a matter of convenience. Yeah. But for us, that's on the professional end of things. We don't go to big box stores or grocery stores. And that's not, I'm not installing them in my house. It's that the clients want a certain quality, a certain level of quality going into their places. You know what really aggravates me about the big box stores, Matthew? Is you go in there and they have the various perennials, annuals or whatever in the wrong location. And they're they never watered in, properly. And no, they're never watered They're always properly. looking sad. It's terrible. I remember walking in there and they had junipers in there in the full shade. And these things hadn't been watered in weeks. And you're like, guys, if I can pick, the, pick this pot up and it feels super, super light. Like, you know, when you guys pick up a shrub and it's been soaked, yeah. it's a bulk to that. Oh, yeah, because right? water waste. And then you pick it up and this, this shrub hasn't been watered for weeks. I agree, Matt. So <sighs> if you had to pick something... In, that would go into a sunny location that was going to be one of the most tough, durable things out there. Which, which one would you choose as far as an annual? Zinnia. Zinnias? I, really? I, like, I like Zinnia. No, but I'm talking about so people who don't have a lot of difficulty. What would you choose? Something that has to be, take, let, let's say, takes desiccation. Okay. It takes really hot what weather. About, what about Portulaca? Okay, fine. Hit Portulaca. Portulaca is great. Portulaca, actually, and the cousin of Portulaca. We used to use this a lot years ago and then we couldn't find it anymore and now we've found it again. It's purslane. Now purslane weed is one of these ones that, that, that people are continually want, wanting to pull yeah. out. Stuff grows like stink but if you can get the actual annual purslane, it's beautiful. Wait a minute, wait, so what's so what's so wonderful about using say Portulaca and purslane? Well first of all, Portulaca and purslane, these are succulents. Okay, well, something so other, they are, way more important than that. There's So they're xerophytic. Something else more important than that. I don't know. Why, Why are we using them in our gardens? Why are we well, they're putting... low ground cover. They're beautiful. Mom? I was going to go with the succulent thing because then you don't have to worry as much about watering. And the flowers are beautiful colors. Yeah. They are very sensitive to light. And oh. so they open and close oh, according right. to the amount of sunlight that is cool. there. Yeah. So when you want to see your garden go from being, let's say it's kind of, oh, this is kind of attractive. And then the sun comes out. And then yeah. the blooms come can become double purslane, or tripled in size. Purslane is the most underused weapon of mass destruction when it comes to annuals. And again, we stopped using it because we simply couldn't find it anymore. And then we found it again. And then, and then we found it again. I remember when we were doing fall cleanups on, a, on some of our larger properties, when back when I was doing major bed maintenance stuff, well, we would have, part of the deal was we'd have clients that would want us to come in and do the landscaping. And then we would also offer, and I mean, like an annual service. And then we have to go back in the fall and pull out the annuals. I remember tarp loads of oh, purslane. Yeah. Tarps of the stuff. Yeah, they really get large after a Man, while. Man, they spread. <laughs> but Matthew, the blooms come in every color under the sun. You can get them yellow, pink, orange, yep. uh, the, with also multiple uh, variations of the of the same colors. Yeah. Um, Matt, they come in, um, I'm trying to think here. They, they're, great for, they're great for hanging baskets. Sure. And they're, again, they're a succulent. Annual on, on, on why? Wait a minute. So why are they annual? Well, first of all, don't they 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 reproduce by seed like crazy? Yes, because we had we had beds where we had purslane in in the, in the year before, yeah, and you'd come back up. and there's purslane again, and we're like, wait a second, what, mom? One of the reasons that they're annual here is because they are native to Argentina and well, Brazil. What zone is this that they're talking that they're native oh, it to? Would have to It'd be, be in the ten, ten, eleven. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's sure. no way they can overwinter here. No, no. But Matt, full sun, double flowers. I mentioned oh, every color under the sun. They're great. And some of them even have slightly different color. If you notice the the, the foliage on a portulaca, for instance, is almost a silvery gray kind of thing, and it looks like a mini jade plant. Like yeah, if you get spiky. really, really into the leaves here, if you get close enough, it looks, it has the same look as a jade plant. Yeah. Imagine yeah. trying to put jade plants out in your front flower bed. 
and then yeah <laughs> you know yeah. but because they're of their watering um restrictions okay portulaca do not like to get overwatered yeah. cuz they'll get root rot that kind of idea and they'll take uh, they'll, they'll take both carbon and acids and it'll affect the metabolism Matt, and they won't bloom as much and they won't do photosynthesis here's a question for you while we're on the topic of the succulent stuff okay so the portulaca can't take it the person can take it yet like the sedum autumn joy can take it the maestro sedum can take it any of your ground cover stone crop, crop can take it and yet they're also succulents yes sure but they're a different reason they're, they're a succulent for a different reason we're using that succulent that you mentioned they're all perennials that we have that will well, take our zone what i'm saying is that it's 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 interesting is it so it has to come down to root system it must because the potentilla root or root the system, root, container yeah and how it's being taken care of yeah five but, minutes but mom if you had to pick something in the in a sunny location, in a hanging basket, let's say, what would you choose? Well, I see an awful lot of them around, and they do look pretty. I would choose a geranium. Yeah, they're great. Now, when we say geranium, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're talking annual geranium. Annual technically, geranium. We're, yeah. Technically, we should be saying pelargonium. Yeah. I'm not quite sure when the heck this happened that, yeah. that we're calling it geranium. And, and you, you've heard me mention on previous shows, geranium. Perennial geranium does not get nearly enough discussion centered around it. It is great. It is absolutely wonderful. One of the most versatile little perennials. So, Mom, can you hit it for a minute? What a, What is so great about the geranium, especially the hanging geraniums? Eh, oh, those are so pretty. Yeah. Well, they come in. And they have the, the like... The uh, the spiked leaf, like the, yeah. the, the like the hanging ones. It's a completely different yeah. leaf system. They come in uh, pink, white, coral, uh, no blues, oranges. All different shades of red Corals, from five burgundies, you know, yeah, even a burgundy, eh? yeah, even yeah. a lavender, and they're great for hanging baskets because they're from the Mediterranean. They're Mediterranean climate, so they don't require a lot of water. They need to be in full sun, and they don't the mind. Only the only issue here. Oh yes, you have to be willing to do a lot of deadheading. Yeah. If you don't deadhead your geraniums, you don't get any more yeah. blooms. And that's where, like, if I have a client that says. Uh, I want low maintenance. We don't put geraniums on the site. And they bloom the entire summer. They do. If yeah. you deadhead them. If you look after them, you've Absolutely. got bloom all summer. So, Matt, you know, speaking of deadheading, let's... Okay, I would probably have to say, even though it's not one of my favorites, but it's out there all the time and I see it everywhere, is the Petunia X Hybrida. Don't like it. No, I, I get it. But you know what, Matt? The hummingbirds like it. And it's pretty darn durable. There's only a couple. There's a couple problems that go along with it. I'll tell you why I don't like it. Those things blow themselves out yeah, so come fast. August. That's it. And when so audience, when I say blow themselves up, what that means is they just bloom and bloom and bloom until basically they can't bloom anymore, and then they just look ratty. You know what else is Awful. a problem, Matthew? The the thing is, you keep calling it blowing themselves out, but what happens is after that four or six weeks happen, yeah, they're no longer they're they're no longer thriving. They're surviving. So what happens is if you don't go along and you in water and fertilize and properly, give them their one two one. Yeah, they're giving them yeah, one low two dose. one. Low dose. Yeah. No, then they end up as they end up not looking very well yeah. for the rest of the season. Yeah. So the thing is, Matt, with the with them, if you do not deadhead, deadheading is is done for one and one only and one major purpose. What is it, Matt? To like if that bloom is spent, it it, it allows energy to be put back into the plant to create more blooms. Oh, yeah, right. That's what. That's yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, mom. Mom, you had you had a point. Oh, my point is just a general point. Hanging baskets and containers are a major commitment. Yeah, because you're you are having you you're are not, literally caring for yes. Yeah, you're not the soil. It's not like a normal garden. You yeah. are responsible for yeah. those plants' needs. And again, we made mention of it, but it's it bears repeating. You. <laughs> If you're going to hang them, you have to hang them at a height that you can water them. Oh, yes. If you need to get a ladder out to water your hanging baskets, you're not going to water them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Matthew, in our case, if we were doing them for, for our various One client, minute, clients seconds. and customers, we would use wire, the wire baskets. Yep. And we would uh, put them in with the sphagnum uh, moss or with something. The, with the actually coconut coir with a bit yep. of uh, fire, uh, sorry, them, landscape fabric and so forth. Yep. And then inside a, a, some sort of growing medium, which and would generally be peat pee moss. Pee themselves, pee, 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 pee themselves. Pee, pee like crazy. So if they didn't have the hole in the bottom, what would happen? They just drowned. They would actually start to root rot, all sorts of fungal diseases and so forth. I've seen the the, the pots without drainage holes. Mm-hmm. How much time do we have left, Matt? Uh, we have less than a minute. Okay. We need to hit one trailing stuff, okay? Okay, So, go. wait a minute, what do they call them? 
Spillers. Okay, well, yeah. pick one spiller. If you had a choice to pick a spiller that we use quite a bit. Oh, Creeping Jenny. Be? Okay, Creeping Jenny. What do you know about it? It looks like an ivy, but rounded, le- but rounded leaves on it, right? Yeah, they're yes? kind of a glossy lime green color, too. Yeah, but they have the, you can get the marginated ones, right? Oh, you really? Can get, yep. Okay. Yep. They, and they make a little yellow flower. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, I've cool. never actually seen them physically flower. I want to use them for the leaves anyway. It's always the hanging over the edges. Sure. Yeah, I love them. And Great. they'll take full sun part shade, or full, sorry, full sun, full shade. And they also grow in, the in some carrier. of them. Yeah, and they, <laughs> yeah. they don't particularly want a super moist soil, but they want it, not any pH. Oh, I know, zone three and up, so they can winter. You, By the way, they do winter. We had them over at uh, the Danbrook's in that big planter in the front. Yeah, and they come back. Yeah, and I, I had to, I take had them to out. weed them out. But remember, too, though, that's also a protected location, right? Even in the back, though, Matt, too. They were back there. They recede like crazy. And you know what, Matt? The, the actual uh, bees don't mind it, but uh, the rabbits dislike it. And you know what, Matt? In the end, it tolerates urban pollution. That's a wonderful place to press pause. Mom? Eloquent in its brevity. Go. Hanging baskets, containers, and um, pots. Pots, sorry. Give you an opportunity every year to change things up. If it doesn't work one year, try something new next year. Wonderful. I love it. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on, well, whatever you want. Lots of stuff to... This is like the Mandarin of, of, of websites, yeah. okay? If, if you're a horticulturist. If you click on contact, there's a form that you can contact. If, if you click on TGS, uh, Tiny Gardens, that is the, our explanation for how we treat subdivision landscape. The TGS color series is outlining our our shows. It is a, uh, a reduced menu or a concise menu of all the shows dealing with specific colors. And we're going to be continually adding to that in the coming weeks. We have blue coming up, right? Yes. Okay. Probably about two or three weeks from now. All right. That's great. So we've got yellow, red, and purple already up. And then the hope is by the end of the season, we'll have six, seven, eight, maybe of these things up there for you. Spots, stripes. Yeah. I mean, again, yes, leaf color, right? Hosta will be coming in. Yes. Oh, gorgeous hosta. Oh, it's just awesome. Okay. And then as well as you can, uh, there is, there's a contact form. Showbits is the big one. Showbits is the visual accompaniment to all of our shows because we talk so much and at such a rapid pace about all manner of horticultural organisms. Showbits is one of the things that our audiences love because they can hit play and watch and literally see the visual accompaniment, right? Yeah. It's perfect. You know what, Matthew? Yes. I, I go back um, just after you put the show up and I, I have a look myself every week. And it's kind of enjoyable to see everything that just yeah. that we have discussed from week to week. All right. So we always end the show in a very, very similar fashion. This one's quick and dirty. What do you guys call two young married spiders? Oh, no man. idea, Matt. Newlywebs. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, and if, and if it's on your juniper, they would be spider mite. Yeah? Yes. Thank you very much. Mom? Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Matt and Lynn, I love you lots. Jack out. Oh, oh. that If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.